The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Happy Father's Day to you. Hey, thanks. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, like you said, my name is Grant. Uh, I get to teach at Concordia University. I teach in the religious education department there, and I get to train up future uh, youth pastors and, and children's ministers and worship leaders and all those kinds of missionaries, and so it's a really awesome, fun job. But uh, we're on our series, Frequently Asked Questions, FAQ, and today's is Denominations and Doctrine. Everybody's like, yes, that sounds so exciting, right? Uh, <laughs> Bear with me. We'll have some fun with it. But um, I want to start off with a story. And uh, this is a story I heard when I was a kid. And it always kind of rubbed me wrong. But, but it goes like this. A man arrives at the gates of heaven. And St. Peter asks him, denomination and religion. The man says, Methodist. I'm a Christian. St. Peter looks at his list and says, go to room 24. But be very quiet as you pass room 8. Another man arrives at the gates of heaven. Religion, denomination. I'm a Christian, Baptist. Okay, then, go to room 18, but be very quiet as you pass room 8. Next man comes, and uh, same thing happens. He says, I'm a Presbyterian. Great. Go to room 11, but be quiet as you pass room 8. And this guy is very inquisitive. He he stops and says, hold on, St. Peter, why are you telling us to be quiet as we pass this room, right? St. Peter says, well, that's where the Lutherans are, and they think they're the only ones here. So, yeah. So whether you grew up in that faith or not, whatever, that tradition, uh, it's kind of humorous, but it also is kind of a jab of, of thinking sometimes in denominations, we think we're the only ones right. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about the paradox of do we take a stand and we, we, we have our doctrine, our beliefs, and we say, yes, this is what I believe, and, and maybe other people are wrong, or do we take the other side and we say, why don't we all just love each other and just be Christians and just... I'll just be happy, right? And not worry about all the things that separate us and the differences, right? And, and so I think we, we kind of have to take both of those sides and hold those in tension and say, no, there are things in Scripture that we have to wrestle with and we have to come to a, um, a belief in, but there's also, we need to keep the bigger picture in mind and also say, we need to remember the main, keep the main thing the main thing, right? And so how do we hold those in tension? Well, maybe you've been in that first side, um, and maybe you've wrestled with some of these, and we'll talk about some of these, like we'll talk about baptism. And maybe you've wrestled with, with um, the tension of, well, do I baptize my baby or do I let them choose and wait till later on? Or, or maybe um, you've wrestled with, well, how's the world going to end? You know, there's, there's all kinds of terror in the world, and are, are these signs where, that are pointing to the end times, right? And, and you've wrestled with, well, what do I really believe about that? Or what are those signs in, in that way? And so we've all kind of wrestled with this, what should we believe with that is really the question. And so talking about these two sides, I want to unpack this a little bit. Um, but here's, here's one quote I want to share with you. Uh, C.K. Chesterton says this, Merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind as opening the mouth is to shut it again on something solid. So really... The goal is, is not to just have an open mind to have an open mind, but really to have an open mind to, to take things in and say, all right, what is it out of all these things to, to have spiritually solid food in that way, right? Um, so we need to take a stand in some way. But here's another quote that I love from uh, 
uh, a Christian, Rob Bell, he says this, can we agree on Christ's body and blood shed for the world? So if we do take a stand and we say, yes, this is it, we also need to remember that we're all on the same team, right? We're all on the same team. Can we agree that Christ's body and blood is shed for the world? Yes. All right, great. That's the main thing, keeping it the main thing, the main thing. And then along with that, uh, whether if you're a non-Christian, you're kind of questioning things, he also says this, can we agree that the world needs healing? Everybody agree the world needs healing? Yeah, right? And so therefore, we need to come together. We need to, to have a commonality of what do we believe that will bring the world healing. And that's where as Christians we, we do that, right? And we believe that Jesus is the redemption of the world and that he, he wants to come uh, make all things new in that way. So, all right. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to talk about three main things. We'll talk about uh, baptism. We'll talk about uh, communion. We'll talk about the end times. Um, there's so many other things we could talk about, but we just don't have the time. Um, but before that, we have to do a history lesson, all right? Y'all still with me? Excited, right? History, yeah, history of the church. Uh, here we go. So basically, uh, Jesus came, he, he left, he went up to heaven. You had one kind of unified church, it was the early church, but within a couple years, there were some disagreements on how to practice things, how to, what to believe. Um, even in the book of Acts, you see Paul with a disagreement, some other, other, other disciples, and they go off their own ways and, and um, start churches in their own manner in that way. They have common theology in that way, but, um, but that happens. And then about the fourth century with Emperor Constantine, where he makes uh, Christianity the, the, the major religion in the Roman Empire. You've got these five kind of territories or districts um, and these, these centers where Christianity was kind of like the headquarters, right? And uh, Rome, Constantinople, Antioch, Jerusalem, and Alexandria. And one of those won out. One of those became kind of the main, uh, main uh, headquarters for Christianity. Any guesses? What? No, close. Rome. Think about the Vatican, right? That's where the Vatican is. That's the main center of, of the Catholic Church in that way. And so, so you've got that, and that goes great. There is one unified church for about a thousand years. And then um, if you go to the next one, in 1054 it is, the Great Schism happens. And this Great Schism is where the Catholic Church splits into two. And you've got the Orthodox Church, and then you've got the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church in that way. Um, so you've got the first kind of major split there. And then about 500 years later, you get another split with the Reformation. And then you get all kinds of branches on the tree, right? Uh, and so Think about it. We were somewhat a unified church, a Catholic church. Catholic means universal church for a long time, and now we've kind of split off because of uh, biblical differences and in, in people interpreting, interpreting things in different ways. And so how do we wrestle with this? What do we choose? What, which one's right? All these kinds of questions come to mind. Um, how do we know that what we believe is, is um, the right thing? And I got to tell you, there's a lot of good questions in there, and we'll unpack a little bit. Now, before we go into some of these finer things, I want to give you a disclaimer. Um, if there's anything that you maybe disagree with, don't just walk out. Don't throw things. Uh, feel free to email me. Uh, my email is, is gabecasper at uh, <laughs> gmail. <laughs> no. Actually, he, he did tell me, uh, Pastor Gabe did tell me that, hey, if, if uh, make sure to give them my information. They can, you can come talk to me too. Um, if there's something that you're like, well, I don't really know about that or I'd love to talk more about that, that's what we're here for. Um, we really want to 
have this create a conversation, be a catalyst for, for open communication in that way. So just don't leave the church. Just don't uh, walk out. Don't throw things, please. Uh, those kinds of things. But let's just make it a conversation and, and talk. So um, all cool? Yeah? All right, you ready to jump into it? I've never been more excited for this. All right, here we go. Uh, all right, the first one, we're going to talk about baptism. All right, now there's really two views of baptism. Here we go. The infant baptism um, belief or the believer's baptism. And you can see the church bodies that kind of subscribe to each of those. Uh, our subscription at this church is that we believe that babies should be baptized, right? Um, and, and then later on we have confirmation. So we baptize babies, it's a gift from God, and then later on uh, they can choose that, they can embrace that and say, yes, I confirm what God did in my baptism when I was a little baby. Even though I may not remember it, I am now confirming that. Um, and this is my my belief. This is my faith. And that is, uh, we just had that, that service, that confirmation service a couple weeks ago, and that was an exciting thing. Um, the believer's baptism is, they do something very similar. You have dedication as a baby, and then um, you get baptized when you're ready for that. So, um, so why do we baptize babies? Well, here's kind of just a list. Um, Abraham decided for his children. Now, they didn't have baptism back then, but the baptism is the new covenant. The old covenant was circumcision. All right? If you don't know what that is, look it up online. You'll see great pictures, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but Abraham decided for his children. He said, you know, I'm the father of many nations, all this kind of stuff. Joseph decided for Jesus um, when he was still a little baby. Um, we know that baptism is a promise for you and your children. Acts 2 says that, right? That it's for the whole family in that way. Um, Baptism is a circumcision of the heart, so it's connecting the old and the new covenant together that, that when you're baptized, it's kind of a cutting of the old nature and putting that off to the side. Uh, babies are part of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Um, Jesus invited little children to come to him, right? He didn't say, whoa, 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 wait till you're ready, wait till you know enough, or wait till, you know, you really have good faith. He said, no, come to me, kids. Uh, you can do that, yeah. Um, babies are born sinful and need what baptism offers. We know that um, we're born sinful people. We, uh, if you have little kids, you know one of their first words is no, right? Yeah, they're very defiant in that way and learning who they are, right? Uh, babies are able to have faith, to have faith like a child. Baptism is a gift from God. Why not give it as soon as possible, right? And then this one, this is the historical uh, view of this, but before the Reformation, so just in the last 500 years, um, if infant baptism was the common practice for all Christians. And so um, you, you didn't really have a believer's baptism unless they were converted later on in life. Um, and so that was the common practice of the church for the first 1,500 years of um, its existence in that way. Now, also think about this. Uh, you ever heard of a believer's circumcision? It happened, actually, in the New Testament, but uh, very painful. I'm thankful for baptism and not having to have circumcision anymore. Anyway, as part of the covenant. Uh, so, yeah, that's number one. Nobody's walked out or thrown anything yet. Good. All right, number two. Let's uh, talk about communion. Uh, we celebrate this, this meal every week, communion, and there's some differences that different church bodies subscribe to. There's the symbolic where they say it's just bread and wine, right? And they get that from the verse where it says, um, do this in remembrance of me. Um, there's the other one, transubstantiation. Uh, this is the Catholic view. And this is where they say that um, the bread and wine literally 
are transformed and changed when the words of institution are spoken on them, and that it now is no longer just bread and wine. It is now actually body and blood. And so if you've ever gone to a high Catholic church, um, that mo- most of the times they won't give you the, the wine, they won't give you the blood, because they're so afraid of it spilling um, that only the priest will partake in that, and that you'll just get the, get the bread. Um, and so I've actually heard of churches that have had to cut out the carpet because it's spilled on there, and they don't want to just leave Jesus' blood or vacuum it up, so they have to preserve it, and so they'll have like a little carpet hall of fame in their um, narthex to, to show that and, and have that respect in that way. So, so there's that. So, there's that. so those are kind of the two extremes. You've got just the symbolic, where it is just bread and wine. You've got now, it's just um, uh, bre- bread and wine, Verse uh, body and blood. And now this is kind of where we stand. We're kind of in the middle, kind of in the middle of everything. But we say real presence. Um, we say it is physically, like you can, with your senses, it tastes like bread. It tastes like wine, right? But Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. And so uh, the original Greek, there is no uh, discrepancy. It says is. And so we just take Jesus' word and say, okay, we don't quite understand it. It's a mystery. Sacrament actually means mystery. Um, and so we say, all right, Jesus, we don't have to fully understand how it works. We don't know when that actually happens or if there's like the special cross or words of institution, but, you know, when the exact moment is, but God shows up. He does his work in that. So that's kind of communion differences in that way. Um, and that, that's been a big divide in different churches and denominations. All right, then the third one here is... Uh, uh, end times. Oh, oh, before I do that, here was somebody's question. Why not grape juice instead of wine? Well, basically, uh, there was really no such thing as grape juice before like 100 years ago just because of fermentation and refrigeration and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we just say, hey, this is how Jesus did it. We're doing it that same way. Uh, is there any shame if you have to take grape juice? No. Um, we know alcoholism is a, is a thing, and that's, that's totally fine. So um, uh, we offer the non-alcoholic stuff in the middle, totally fine. No shame in that, um, but that's why we do it. And also why we use the, the common cup. You have the choice of the common or the individual shot classes. Can I say that? Uh, no, that's bad. <laughs> Don't think that. But, like, those are, those are relatively new, too. Like, back in the day, um, you didn't have those. And, I mean, people, uh, those came because people were afraid of germs um, in that way. And so, but the common cup was, the symbolism was that there was one cup right? And then one body, one blood. And so even our, our bread is baked into one loaf and then uh, cut into little pieces. And so when you get that piece, you're getting a piece of the body. And it's a, a unifying thing of the church that says, yeah, you are part of this body and the cup. You are part of everyone. And we're all partaking in this, this meal together. And so it's a family kind of thing in that way. So, so yeah, that's, that's the reason we use wine. Jesus did it, so we do it too. Um, so yeah. All right, next one, end times. All right, there's kind of four views on end times. Now, this is very confusing. I'm going to explain these words. So, uh, post-tribulation premillennialism. All right, say that really fast four times right there. But post meaning end or after. Tribulation meaning hard times. Pre, before. Millennialism, thousand years. Got that? All right, so basically there's a little chart. And the first one there is that we're in this hard times, right? We're in this hard time, in the hard times. Second coming comes, Jesus comes back. Uh, When Jesus comes back, he'll kind of live with us, and there'll be this thousand years of peace. And while we do that, and then there'll be the judgment. And so um, not a whole lot of people ascribe to that, but 
that's one view. Second one is a more common view, um, and this is if you've ever read like Left Behind or seen those movies. This is more of that view. Pre-tribulation, uh, premillennialism, also called dispensationalism or dispensational premillennial pre oh man premillennialism, <laughs> tongue twister up there. Uh, and and this one basically says, all right. Uh, people are out there working. All of a sudden, there's this thing called the rapture. People disappear. All the Christians that believe go. Everybody else is left. Oh, no. What happens? Chaos. Pandemonium, right? Um, and because of that, there's now a tribulation, and there's craziness. And then second coming comes. Um, Jesus comes back then, and, and uh, there's kind of this uh, millennium of peace, and then last judgment. So there's kind of that view of it. Post-millennialism. Not a whole lot of people ascribe to this, but it is a view. This basically says that the thousand years, uh, things are getting better. So we're kind of in this time where things are going to get better. And when we finally reach world peace, all right, the prom queen or whatever, the beauty queen statement, when we finally get world peace, then Jesus will come back. All right, do you, do you see our world getting better? No, I don't think so. So that one, not a very common held belief. Last one is kind of where we stand, amillennialism. It says this. Uh, well, first, you have to know Revelation is a very symbolic book, and very confusing. If you read to, from 1 to, uh, I think there's 22 chapters in there, uh, read it all the way through, you might be confused because we're very Western thinkers. We have beginning, middle, end to our stories, right? But in Revelation, it's written in the, that, their time, their Greek and Hebrew kind of thinking, and so it's very circular. So you've got all these stories kind of going on at once and all these symbolism, uh, symbols going on. And so when it says a 1,000 years, doesn't really literally mean a thousand years. It's more of a symbol of like a perfect amount of time um, that God gives. And so we just say, hey, we're in this millennium. Uh, it's going to happen. Just be ready. That's basically kind of where we stand as a church. Now, if you've ever um, driven to Dallas on 35 here, I just did this a couple weeks ago. There's a billboard on there and it says, be ready. The world's going to end. I think it's like August 17th, 2017. You seen this? Yeah. Guess how many people have been right about these billboards or predictions on the end, end of the world? So far, zero, all right? It could happen, but uh, Jesus tells us no one knows the day or the time, right? Um, and so this is why we subscribe to this fourth view is just, just be ready. You know, we could try to nitpick every little thing in the Bible and say, oh, that event correlates to this event, therefore this happens, and that presence, the Antichrist, and this, and all. No, that's, that's too stressful. Just just be ready, right? Just be ready. And that's really where we stand. All right. Everybody good still? Good. All right. Let's go on. Here's another question someone asked. Are Mormons just another Christian denomination and what's the difference? All right. Great question. Before I get into that, I want to give you, I guess, basic theology of how we understand theology. And it goes like this. The first thing to make a Christian is dogma. All right. Dogma was a great movie from the 90s. Um, but it also means, uh, it means core belief in that way. And there's really two things that Christians believe in that make uh, that all Christians, in order to be a Christian, you have to believe in these two things, all right? We'll talk about those in just a second. After that comes uh, doctrine. And these are the things like, all right, so you've got dogma, all Christians. Now you've got these different sects of Christian because you've got different beliefs of Christianity. And then the third one is this, adiaphora. And this basically means it's a fancy word for um, it's neither condemned by Scripture or forbid, neither forbidden or commanded by Scripture. Uh, give you an example. Um, so our band 
plays guitar, right? And then this thing, I just learned what this thing, uh, harmonium. I learned what that was in the first service. This is a harmonium. Now, the Bible says nothing about you shall, you shall play guitar and harmonium in worship, does it? No, right? Um, but it also doesn't say you shouldn't play it. So therefore, we have total freedom, adiaphora, to play guitar, harmonium, organ, acapella. Really, there's freedom there of, of how to worship in that way. So that's adiaphora. All right, still with me? All right, good. Let's go back to dogma. In dogma, two main things that make a Christian. Any guesses? Okay. Jesus is the Son of God and has risen from the dead and, and died and risen for our sins. All that's encompassed in one of them. Other one? We just talked about it earlier in the service. We just recited it together. What? Trinity, yeah, Trinitarian belief. So let's talk about that one first, belief in the Trinity. Um, in order to be classified as a Christian, we have to have a common belief in the Trinity. Now, in the early church, this wasn't happening, and so they had all these councils and these meetings because they had all these heresies going on, these false views of what the Trinity was actually like. And, um, and they came up with this kind of common... Here's a diagram of what it looks like. Um, so the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Got that? Now, that's kind of confusing because you're like, whoa, whoa, how does that work? Who's the leader? Well, not really any of them. Um, they're all kind of coexistent. They're co-eternal. Um, they're, they're all equal, but they're all one. Now, we've tried to do illustrations before, like, you know, you've got an egg, and an egg has a shell and a yolk and all that, and that just doesn't work either, because you're like, because you have, it's, it's really one plus one plus one equals one. Try that math with your math pros, right? So yeah, but uh, this is that common belief. Now, talking about Mormons and other, other non-Christians, sometimes referred to as cults in that way, here's kind of the, the view, is this picture. This is a, a heresy called Arianism, and it's actually come back, but uh, where God the Father is actually God, and then you've got this demigod, the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit, kind of this force that is still there, but isn't classified as God and being co-equal or co-eternal with God in that way, too. So Mormons would call God the Father or the, the main God Elohim, uh, and Jehovah's Witnesses would say Jehovah in that way. Um, so that's, that's what would where they would break that and, and not qualify. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, now here's the second one. The second one, uh, dogma, is this. Belief in Jesus' full work on the cross. And what does that mean? That means we believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life, that he actually really died. He was a real person, that he rose again from the dead and uh, for our sins and, and gave forgiveness through that. Um, and so there's that. Now, what happens when we differ from that and stray from that? Here's, here's a, a quote from the Book of Mormon um, from 2 Nephi. It says this, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are, be, by, that grace we are saved. Period. That would be a great sentence. I'd ascribe to that. But they add this second part, after all we can do. And uh, that's, that's a heresy in that way. Um, we call that semi-pelagialism. It's a fancy term back in the, the early church. But it, what it says is that, okay, we do all our work, and we try to be a, as good a person as possible, and, and we try to be perfect, but if we can't, 
then God's grace will come in and fill in the rest of it, right? You might be thinking, well, that kind of sounds right, right? We, we need to be good moral people. We need to do those things. But, but here's the problem. As it says that from the very beginning of our being, we were enemies of God. It says that in Romans. It says that we, um, we go against God, that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And so here's one of my favorite verses. This was my confirmation verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You have no part in that grace. You have no part in your salvation. Uh, all you can do is say no. You can say no, but you can't really say yes. God has lavished that grace upon everybody. Um, not by work so that no one can boast. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done for us, and he has done the victory. He is the one that is over all, in all, through all, and because of that, you can have and experience eternal salvation because of that and live on this earth in a, a powerful new creation state, and that's, that's awesome. So, make sense? Still with me? Good. All right, let's finish up here. Um, so, So I want to end with this story. Well, Jesus is awesome, right? Uh, uh, and maybe here's the cool thing is that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, that Jesus forgives us completely, fully. He has taken our old away and has given us his new. And, and it, uh, there's a cool term. He has given us actually his righteousness. We can do nothing to be righteous on our own, but he has given us, he has put it in us, by his death and resurrection, because of that, we are new creations. And that's, that's an amazing picture of what Jesus has done. Um, now, I want to end this way, is that, so I've given you kind of these two extremes of what we think about when it comes to de- denominations and, and our thoughts and beliefs in that way and, and how we can react. And uh, I want to show you kind of a, a picture of where I kind of saw the church really come together and live this out. And so um, when I... Fifteen years ago, I went on my, my internship to be a youth minister up in a church, a small town, Homer, Alaska. Anybody been to Homer, Alaska? No. All right. little small village. It was a fishing village, about 3,000 people. And this was the town motto. A quaint little fishing village with a drinking problem. No, I got that wrong. A quaint little drinking village with a fishing problem. That's more funny, yeah. Uh, and that was their motto. And here, here's how they supported that. There were 20 bars in this small town of 3,000. No, 19 bars, but 20 churches. So the churches were proud that they had the bars beat out by one. Um, and so one of the things they said when I got there is they said, we do this cool thing the week after Easter, and we call it One Lord's Sunday, and every church just uh, doesn't meet on that Sunday. And all the pastors got together and planned this service where they said, you know what, we're all Christians. We all believe in the same dogma in that way. So we're going to focus on that and focus on our, our sameness rather than our differences. And we're going to meet in the high school gym uh, one Sunday a year. And I thought that was a cool picture, and it was neat. So out of a town of 3,000, guess how many people came? Over 1,000 people, which in the upper northwest, in a place like Alaska, where there's not, it's not the Bible Belt, there's not a lot of Christians up there, it was cool to see over one-third of the city come together for that commonality and, and forget the differences in that time. And so they, they, you know, they sang all kinds of different types of songs. They said the creed together, they prayed together, they didn't practice the things that, that separated them or where they had differences. It was just a really cool thing. Now, I know some people will get really upset by that and say, well, you, you didn't focus on the things you believe. And, um, 
And yet, yes, while that is important, God has given us minds to, to do that and to land somewhere, right? To, to close our mouths on something. For one week out of that year, they kept the main thing the main thing. I thought that was really cool. And I love, you know, Axe Church, we have partnerships with the Baptist Church, with Hill Country, with all these other people with different beliefs, and that's okay, right? We learn to, to do ministry together, and we, we learn to, to love the community and our neighbors around us in that way. And so that's my hope. That's my prayer. That's our, hopefully that's our vision, is that may we come to see that, that God is working and that the church on earth is, is, is awesome. But guess what? The church, or the, the church in heaven will be even better without the separate rooms, without the people who think they're by themselves. It's going to be an amazing time when we gather with all those believers and worship the one true God in that way. So, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you are Lord of the church um, and that even though we have so many disagreements and um, uh, so many things that sometimes separate us and divide us, Lord, um, I pray that as Barrett read in John 17, Lord, that, that you would give us unity and that we would learn to be unified as, as a body, Lord, that we would work together and not, not work against each other, Lord, but that we would um, work together for the common good so that more people would come to know you, to love you, to follow you, and that all people would come to know the amazing message and the amazing transformation that Jesus, that you give us. And so, Lord, I thank you for these things. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.